0: Hello and welcome to The Codec Call, the codecmoments.com podcast. I'm Andy Brown, at ClinicalAndy on Twitter, and I have with me today a special guest who's here to talk about the role of voiceover artists within the games industry and how it's changing with advances and demands of technology. My guest is one of the most prolific voiceover artists working today with credits on animated series including The Powerpuff Girls, Ben 10. Johnny Quest and Johnny Bravo, The Tick, The X-Men, Phineas and Ferb and Tamagotchi Video Adventures if IMDB is to be believed. Along with credits in games including Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, Doom 3, Socom, Bulletstorm, Uncharted 3, Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us to name a handful, even if you don't know her by name. I'm almost certain that you will know her by game as the voice of both Naomi Hunter in the Metal Gear Solid series and Commander Shepard from the Mass Effect series. Please welcome my very special guest, Jennifer Hale.
1: Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Very happy to be here.
0: Now, Jennifer's joining us via Skype because I had some technical difficulties on the telephone, so I apologize in advance if the quality of the audio comes and goes. It's because of the Fisher-Price, my first broadband that we have here in this part of Sheffield. Well, thank you for joining us. Jennifer, please, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you find yourself where you are today? Let's see.
1: I was born as a frog. Uh, somebody thumped me on the head. I turned into a human with a voiceover career. <laughs> Let's see. No, I um, went to a fine arts high school uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, so I had training in how to how to speak normal when living down south. I um, spent a lot of time in that small market, Um just kind of learning the ropes. I was working at a video production house next door to an audio studio. Got asked to come next door and do a uh, a commercial and I was blown away that somebody paid me $30 to do something. I mean, I was a teenager still. I just jumped in with all four feet and got the guys, Greg and Courtney, to teach me everything they knew. And I redid my reel and I used to cold call ad agencies because at the time there weren't any agents in town and I didn't know how to do the agent thing anyway. And um, sort of built myself a career that way. Went over to Atlanta, got my first audition for a film. I, I booked the job and fell in love with that style of acting as well. Moved to L.A., um, auditioned for my first cartoon, and got the job, which was Where on Earth is Carmen San Diego. I didn't know what I was doing. I was not allowed to actually watch cartoons as a kid, but um, learned from my peers who are the best teachers on the planet, and uh, you know, just still trying to keep it going.
0: So you're best known for your roles in Metal Gear Solid and Mass Effect. So we wanted to ask you a few questions around those. And I know you probably get asked this in most things, so I'll try and keep it brief if that's okay. When looking at these roles, they're both huge roles in terms of of the amount of work that you'll have had to have done for them. How much dialogue was there for Naomi Hunter?
1: You know, I couldn't tell you overall. I know that Shepard's definitely a larger dialogue load than Naomi Hunter in terms of, you know, because we were dealing with the trilogy and and it was the player character, etc., and I know that in just Mass Effect 3 alone, Shepard had about 7,000 lines, I want to say. And and if you think about what production was dealing with, they had to do that for both me and Mark Meir. I mean, they were up to their eyeballs and busy. They're both huge honors to have done. And uh, they're unique each, you know, in their own way.
0: How long does it take to record 7,000 lines of dialogue?
1: Oh, my gosh. Somewhere around a year. Wow! I mean, I wasn't the only job I was doing at the time. I was going in and out doing other sessions, of course. But I would go in there. And you know, typically, they're four hour sessions. And you just go, you know, you just go and go and go and go and go and take a quick pee break and go back and go and go and go till you're till the four hours is up.
0: Okay, so if you're doing these four hour sessions for a year, is that every day every other day?
1: No, no. Anywhere from twice a month to four times a month to more. You know, they're, they're doing all of us. They're in production doing all of us, you know, around the same chunks of time. So we all are taking turns going in and out of the booth.
0: Given the amount of dialogue that's in these games, do you ever find it frustrating that a lot of people will never hear everything that you, you put into the series?
1: No, it, it's it doesn't bother. I mean, you know, it's... Why bother about it? Because people are gonna enjoy whatever they do and it's gonna fit the storylines that they're creating. So no, it doesn't bother me.
0: That's nice to hear, I'm pleased about that. Yeah. One of the great things about Mass Effect is that Bioware we're able to write a protagonist in a non-gender specific way without compromising the narrative. Yes. Mass Effect 3 caused some controversy by pushing boundaries for video games with depictions of same-sex relationships. Mm -hmm. Did you realise this was going to be a talking point when you were recording the lines, or was the the hetero or homogenous nature of the relationships not apparent from the script in in the same way that Shepard's lines were so carefully considered?
1: Uh, No, I mean, the the nature of the relationships was obvious, and I don't focus on the controversy. I focus on... The relationship, you know, when I'm in the session, I was excited finally that, you know, the same-sex relationships were going to have a place in pop culture that wasn't, that was just considered sort of part of a normal day. You know, it was a non-event. And I think that's how you know you're getting somewhere and breaking through boundaries when, when in at least in the context of the work, it's a non-event.
0: Were you surprised by some of the reaction to it?
1: Ah, uh, no. <laughs> we live in the world we live in, you know. we, we We're not there yet. We're on our way but we're not there yet. And, you know, love is love, in my opinion.
0: You've gone record as saying that you you really appreciate the writing of the Mass Effect series.
1: I appreciate writers in any form. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Writers make the world go round. Writers should be the celebrities, but unfortunately they're not, not yet.
0: And I've read somewhere that you don't play games yourself. Is that right?
1: I suck at it. (laughs) Absolutely suck at it. I have no time. You know, I spend a lot of time working. And in my free time, I really just want to be outside. I feel like I need to go get life experience that I can bring into these games. You know, I try to stay familiar with the various platforms and some of the basic mechanics of them, not through playing them, just through watching other people and, you know, just talking about it so that I can be better at my job. But to me, that's, you know, for me, that would be the role of playing anything just to be better at work.
0: Do you find then that you. You get invested in the characters in the series.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And would you say that you're, you're as invested as some of the fans who can perhaps take it to extremes?
1: I don't know if I go to that extreme, but I'm absolutely invested with all my heart and soul. Yes.
0: So given that, how did you feel about the ending of Mass Effect 3 and the furore it seemed to cause with a vocal element of fans?
1: I think, you know, I'm on record, I think, is saying that, and, and this is what I believe, that um, writing is very difficult. Writing endings is extremely difficult, and writing an ending with thousands of co-creators is nearly impossible. And I love that everybody was so up in arms because it meant that they were attached and invested. And that's a tremendous compliment. I did not love some of the behavior of the trolls, and I never want to see that again from, from a fan base that I'm connected to. I think it's atrocious and uncalled for. Some of the personal attacks on the Bioware people, that's absolutely ridiculous. But on the brighter side, it's fantastic that people were that connected and invested. And I thought it was extraordinary of BioWare to respond in the way that they did by releasing the the, you know, the DLC and that sort of thing. The sort of love letter to fans is what it was.
0: Thank you. I mean, what struck me with that was the complaints to the Better Business Bureau in the U.S. and the the Advertising <laughs> Standards Agency in the U.K. with the that's BBP. Hilarious! I know I love it. The, the BBP actually upholding a complaint that it was false advertising because the the player didn't have complete control over the ending. Thankfully, the U.K. authorities were a, a little bit more forgiving and said, you know, uh, oh that's gosh. not the case. But it just Crazy. It's
1: hilarious. In that case, I'd like to complain to them about some aspects of my own life and could they um, perhaps set those right as well? <laughs> yeah, no. No. I mean, I, I don't believe in complaining. I, I, I think it's a comp- complete waste of time. I think it sucks the space. If you don't like something, go out. If you don't like something, number one, look and see if there's anything you can do to constructively fix it. If there's not, go out and make something better. Move on. You know, be part of the solution, not the problem. It's been, you know, it's cliche, but it's, it's flipping true.
0: I mean, games as a medium is skewed towards male protagonists. Do you, do you feel that impacts your work? Do you, would you like oh, yeah. more?
1: Absolutely. I would love more work. I, you know, we were having, it was a, I was in Connecticut this weekend at a convention and we had a great conversation at one of the panels about how we were talking about, we need a female Joker. And then all of a sudden I realized, I was like, well, we don't only need a, the option of having a female Joker. We need the option of having a female Batman. And in some forms we have, you know, in that lexicon, we absolutely have. But you get the gist of what I'm saying.
0: With that in mind, Bioware having shown that it is possible to write a truly successful non-gender specific character, mm-hmm. if that could be applied anywhere, are there any roles, male or female, that you wish you'd got the call for?
1: <laughs> oh, anything in Battlestar Galactica. Are you a fan? Oh, huge fan. Huge, huge fan of the reboot. Gosh, you know... I'm not so much thinking about, I don't think much about the past and what I didn't get to do. I'm super interested in what's going on right now in the the sort of wild west, in the best sense of the word, that entertainment currently is, just the open space of creating content. I sincerely hope with all my heart that the American FCC does not break the internet and that we we maintain net neutrality because it's just such an incredible place for all kinds of amazing things to happen you know and if we lose that foundation of a a free and open beginning for those who are just walking into their own experiences of creativity then we're losing a lot you know and i don't want to see that happen yeah i want to play in what's
0: next do you get a lot of contact from female gamers about your the roles you've played and and your influence
1: Yes, I get a lot of contact from female and male gamers, and I also get uh, contact from same-sex couples who are super grateful that they've found a place. or in same-sex people, gay and lesbian community, who are super happy they've found a place in pop culture. You know, it's about time.
0: Do you like the term FemShep?
1: Yes, I love it. I'm very proud of it.
0: So quickly, I mean, how how does voice recording work? What's the process? And where does it come in both video games and animation in, in the process overall? Is it, is it done at the early stages, or is it quite late in the production process?
1: It depends on the production. If you're looking at something like a redub of, say, for example, a Japanese anime, the voice recording's at the end because you're revoicing something that's already been done. If we're talking about regular animation, original content here in North America, You come in after the script has been written and it's been storyboarded, and then we go in there and it's the the crazy fantastic playtime of let's put it down and, and then they ship it out for animation after that. In games, they come up with their story, then they do, you know, the voice recording comes later in the process, quite a bit later, depends. Everybody places it, you know, everyone has their own process. It's slightly different everywhere. And then inevitably in in forms like that where we're originating the work, we go back and do what are called pickups, where you know technically this lip flap doesn't match that or there wasn't time for this, or the you know the ambient noise levels were too high here. We need to raise the volume or lower the volume of the speaking. Little touch ups like that happen after the fact.
0: you tell me you started as an actress and you you moved on to voice acting for series uh, and then mm-hmm. on to games,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually started as a singer. That was my first love and still is kind of.
0: Oh wow. Do you, do you sing a lot?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I don't right now because I I don't have I have no time, but um it's definitely, you know, it's a huge piece of me. Yeah.
0: Where can we hear you before? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: don't know nowhere right now, but I will let you know. I will let you know.
0: So you you were talking earlier about where on earth is Carmen, San Diego, and if I'm right mm-hmm. in thinking that was, it was your first cartoon work?
1: Mm-hmm. And I believe it was probably my first game as well.
0: Do you know? That's what I was about to ask. Mm-hmm. Was it a culture shock, the difference between the...
1: It was a massive culture shock. I, I didn't understand. I was like, what? I had no context for it. I had to build the context for it. I was like, okay, what uh, What happens before this? Where, where are the other people on the scene? And they're like, there aren't any. I'm like, okay, oh, okay, um, okay. Uh, let's just do it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> you just go. You know, I didn't have a reference for it because I didn't play, you know, and I, I um, but it, it came very quickly. I understood it very quickly once we got going.
0: With, with respect to screen acting or film acting and animation mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. games, if it is an original character for that medium, is there a difference in the way you, you craft that character between the three, or is it the same preparation and motivation for, for voice as it is for same. film?
1: Absolutely the same. Acting is acting. Um, there are mechanical adjustments for each form. And that's the only difference for me. If you're doing, you know, film acting, it's, to me, it's it's harder and easier. It's harder because it moves at such a slower pace. You know, you have to accommodate visuals and you have to accommodate all that stuff. So there's a lot of time and a lot of other craftspeople. Like all the stuff that developers and, and production people do behind the scenes and, Animation and voiceover when I'm not in the building, they're doing it in the building, you know, when you're doing a film. But the preparation of a character is the same. Um, You have to accommodate the microphone if you're doing, you know, straight voiceover. If it's motion capture, you've got some physical accommodations to make. Those little adjustments like that.
0: This is really where I wanted to lead to, actually, is that motion capture is is now becoming more and more common. Would would you say Mm -hmm. it's almost standard yet within voiceover work for games? Not yet. Do you think it will be?
1: I hope so. I absolutely love it.
0: When you started doing motion capture, and I, I think mm-hmm. I may know the answer to this, seeing as you you enjoy, you seem to enjoy the the screen performances and the live the live action. I was going to ask if it was a culture shock.
1: No, it was actually a tremendous amount of joy and not relief, but just so happy to have it all come together in that way
0: and would you say i mean if it's not motion capture what is the biggest innovation that you've seen in the last 20 years
1: the development of visual of how the visuals are being done the Im- incredible advances in technology there are allowing us to game acting can move into a place much closer to that of film and television acting because the visuals truly do more and more of the work more than they used to certainly and we can just Think it, feel it, and live it, and it will fly.
0: So that must really impact your performance.
1: Yes. Yes, it definitely does. It definitely does. It's been a, a really wonderful evolution to be a part of. It's really, I, I, it's one of the things I experienced very strongly in Mass Effect was just the evolution between one and three, I should say from one, you know, over time all the way to three, of how much truth and how much less sort of acting was required as we went along as the medium just kept getting better and better and better
0: with that in mind with the motion capture and the facial capture becoming more key really driving your performances making it a, as you said a bringing out the the truth mm-hmm. do you think that will lead to different roles for you either um roles that you perhaps hadn't considered taking before or, or more live action work than you've been doing previously
1: I don't know. I don't know. I I would love to see both. <laughs> you know, I'll say yes to both, because I would love to do it. Yeah.
0: And with respect to facial emotion capture and the move to recruit, you know, in inverted commas, big names into games mm. to voice characters, how does that make you feel? Do you feel that's a threat or do you welcome it? Do you think it's a, a good challenge to the industry?
1: Well, myself, I don't believe in competition. Except with oneself. You know, I I think that competition is very last century. I think the 21st century belongs to cooperation and community. I think that as long as all talented actors are considered, then it's fine. However, the problem is when they're fishing for celebrities, they often shut out some of the most extraordinary talent in town, which is the voiceover community. And I think that is. A waste and just stupid.
0: (laughs) How do you feel, especially in established game series? How do you feel the change of a voiceover artist in a game can impact on the series? And and there's two examples I'm thinking of here. One is Michael Ironside in Splinter Cell, Mm -hmm. who was replaced because of the motion capture, the demands on the actor for that. Mm -hmm. But actually, Mm -hmm. it really, it really changed the level of grit the character had, and it was a, it was very well known voice. And of course, yeah. the other one is, I believe, a friend of yours, David Hayter, who was yeah. working on Melga Salute up to four.
1: Yep. I think David is extraordinary as Snake. I think David's a fantastic actor and a brilliant talent of many kinds. I would love to see him always be Snake. Um, I mean, Keith Stone's a, a wonderful actor. And I don't know anything about why they did that. It doesn't, I don't understand it myself. I don't know all the details. I would love to always hear David, but that's just me.
0: Do you feel it was for cynical reasons to attract a new audience?
1: I have no idea. I can't begin to speculate. I have no idea, you know? I I don't know, you know, and I think to speculate would be to gossip, and then it's just not, that's not my strength. You no, know? that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You're a big fan of the physical performance. Oh yeah. Do you feel though that there is a versatility or a longer lasting quality in the voice over acting over the physical performance?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, with the exception of mocap. I mean, mocap you can do or be anything for as long as you're able to physically execute that, which I think is fantastic. On camera, you know, film and television, they have their it has its limitations and I hate limitations. So, <laughs> I love the physical performance, but I hate limitations. I think as long as for me personally, as long as I stay fit and healthy and um, vigilant about my ability to embody anything i I put my mind to, then great, there's possibility for me if i if I lose my discipline or my desire, then it's done.
0: Talking about discipline. is is the recording process a one-way street, or do you get input into the dialogue, or is that very much dependent on the director and or the specific project?
1: It depends on the project. Bioware projects, there's no input. In anything, because their technical constraints are are tremendous. I mean, everyone's are tremendous, but theirs are specific to their the mechanics of how they put things together. So you don't deviate a letter from their stuff. Um, for example, Bioshock. By contrast, we got to play a bit. Ken and Oliver and I got to play within the scene. You know, try X, try Y, Z. It was just a really brilliant experience. Yeah.
0: Have you ever had anything where you thought you know okay, this is in the bag now and they've come back and said well we've done we've done testing or we've got some feedback and actually we need to re-record sections and...
1: oh yeah. yeah yep, that's part of the process.
0: You get paid more for that.
1: You get paid for coming back, <laughs> which is great. Um, I feel for the producers because they've got such a workload and they hate to see it get you know expanded.
0: Have you ever suggested to uh, games producers or directors that they pick up an animated series that you're uh, you're currently working in and hope to get more work?
1: <laughs> you know i never thought of it i never thought of it because I, I suppose i never thought they'd do it you know it doesn't occur to me i'm like groundhog day what's in front of me okay i'm doing that
0: <laughs> great thank you is there uh is there anything you can talk about that you're working on at the moment
1: i just finished like battle mage i've got um what's in the works right now long dark is in the works um a little bit more republic is in the works did some animated stuff, some uh, regular show, and uh, Avengers Assemble and stuff like that. Um, got a David Hayter's film is coming out next month, I think. Wolves. I've got a cameo in that, and uh, another film that's supposed to be making the uh, festival circuit called Fight to the Finish. And um, what else? What else? I know there's more, but I'm sure we'll be doing more Broken Age at some point, which I very much look forward to. And, um, yeah, a few other things that I can't talk about.
0: <laughs> ah, I was going to say, can we uh, can we expect or speculate on any future Metal Gear or Mass Effect games?
1: Ah, uh, no, but I did just record some stuff for Dragon Age last week, which was super fun, and it was uh, really a huge honor to do the role that I did. It's a massive compliment, and uh, it's, it's quite groundbreaking. <laughs> so, very excited about that.
0: Brilliant. Well, that's lovely. Thank you very much for joining me today, Jennifer. Um, it's been great to chat with you.
1: It's been an absolute pleasure, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And is there, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything you'd like to ask?
1: You know, no, except just to say huge, huge thank you everybody out there. listening, Because without you, I wouldn't have a job. And I love my job. So thank you. And uh say, go have fun and get outside.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Jennifer. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Andy. You too. Bye bye.
0: Well, thank you very much today to Jennifer Hale for joining me. It's been a real pleasure to have her on the Codec Call. If you'd like to comment on today's Codec Call podcast, please visit codecmoments.com or tweet us at Codec Moments. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus by searching for Codec Moments. Finally, if you've enjoyed today's chat with Jennifer Hale, Commander Shepard or Naomi Hunter, whichever you're most comfortable with, please be kind enough to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or your podcast client of choice. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.